0: I call it the word of the Lord for 2020 and beyond. And I believe God is more into seasons than calendar years. But uh, I'm just going to share with you what the Lord said uh, uh, partially tonight. This will be a season of divine messengers in the earth. I see like a close group of pioneers in the earth, like large flames of fire bringing the word of the Lord. Not only will they bring the word of the Lord, but they will... They will release and be able to bring divine strategies to earth and birth realities that have not previously existed in the earth. i just pause here for a moment. When Peter stands up in the early church and he, make, he begins to preach after the Holy Spirit's been poured out on him, it, it goes to the streets, the, 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 the original language there when it says, and he said to them, is the same language it uses when it says they spoke in other tongues. So when Peter is preaching in a tongue that they understand, it's not just a sharing, it's actually this word that, that came like a hammer to people's hearts when they said, what must we do to be saved? So it was this supernatural language and he was demonstrating the, the ministry of Jesus where he said, I only speak what the Father says. And in this season, there's coming in the earth messengers like Philip that says they couldn't resist his preaching. That uh, it, uh, the, a revival, revival, one of the characteristics of one of the revivalists, Finney, was it felt like a hammer that came to our hearts and we could not resist God. That's coming in the earth. It's here now. When my dad got born again, he was in the back of the room, and that's a wonderful story. I can't, I'm not going to share the whole thing tonight, but he, he, you know, how many can I identify with this one? He said, it was like the man was preaching my life. And he's, he, the, the, the pastor kept saying that day, he made it through Sunday school, but he was saying that day, he said, somebody here needs to get born again. He says, if you wanna get born again, lift up your hand. And my dad said in his mind, he said, do not lift up your hand. The next thing he knew, his hand was going up. <laughs> I'm believing God for environments like that in our church communities, where people can't resist what God wants to do. We we the, the, the commandment from the Bible is to love all people but also loving people is wanting them delivered of the world system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kinda of interesting that we we or in some segments now we, we market the things of, you know, come be comfortable, get a relevant message. It's like it's like now we're telling people like, Come and be comfortable in your demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus cast demons out. It's a little different. This is a season in the earth in which I desire for the people of God to display that which has been, never been displayed before in the earth, but is my divine will. I just want to say this, not because I need to say, but I believe it prophetically. This is the greatest time to be alive for the people of God. These are messengers who are tried and tested servants of the Lord, who value the presence of God and the face of God above all else. They will love the beauty of God and embrace the character of God in every area of their lives. These pioneers will love the body of Christ and will be deeply connected to spiritual families. Many of these pioneers will come together to form covenant relationships for the advancing of the purpose of the kingdom of God. It's a season in which you will see the body of Christ come together as one family and be a loving expression that I've always desired. The Lord says it's time for the corporate man to arise and for my, my five-fold leaders to join purpose, vision, and resources for the establishment and the advancement of the kingdom of God. This is indeed a unique season of divine connection for the advancement of kingdom purposes in the body of Christ. I'm going to connect people from totally different parts of the nation and even the world for relationships and divine alignments in the body of Christ. Even as I called the disciples to walk closely with Jesus for the changing of the world, I'm aligning men and women and ministries to come together to shift the world for my Kairos purposes. Do you know the Bible says a wise man walks with wise men. The Lord says it's time to shift the world as one body. Even as the calendar year turns into 2020, begins a season in the earth in which I, call, I will cause my body to be brought in relationships and partnerships for the fulfillment of key aspects of their destiny. You know, one of the things I pray over my life, because I've learned this from the Lord, is, Lord, bring the right relationships into my life. Because I've learned certain things are not going to happen unless I connect with the right people. And sometimes they're not even close relationships. They're just people. And the beautiful thing about this is some of the people I've admired from afar, I'm starting to get to know them. That's really cool. Yeah. But you, you don't even have to know someone to be connected to. Them. I'm not saying that you don't need those people. I'm just saying that you can connect with graces and anointings that you've ne- as long as you honor it. As the calendar year turns into 2020, it begins a season in the earth in which I will cause the people of my body to be brought into relationships and partnerships for the fulfillment of key aspects of their their destiny. For my people's destiny rests upon coming together of proper relationships. Even in this time that I'm releasing messengers in the earth, these messengers will be both young and old different cultures and backgrounds and streams that will sound as one unique sound in the earth. There's an interesting thing, Acts 1, it says they all came together and then there was a sound. Prophecy is not just words but often it sounds. The words they release in the earth will carry weight and authority as no other generation. They will cause the sounds in the earth and unusual weather patterns as a sign that these words are truly from heaven. They will speak words from heaven and they will cause the heavens to open and the earth and the ground to be shaped as God intends. Words from heaven will penetrate the spirit of government and cause my purposes to be birthed. Words from heaven will be released in cities that will cause my purposes to be established. What does the Bible teach us? First of all, give prayer for all those who are in authority. Whether you disagree with them, like them. First of all, pray that you would pray for all in authority. My first things in my prayer time. Did it for the previous president, did it for this one. Lord, thank you for President Trump. Thank you for Vice President Pence. Thank you for Speaker Pelosi. I pray for the governor of my state. Pray for my mayor, the, the town I live in. He commanded me to do that. I learned when you pray for people, you don't get so mad. words from heaven released into the economic world that will cause corruption to be exposed and the systems of man to fail. Yet if my people properly understand the time and the season in which they live and hear and listen for divine instruction, prosperity and increase will be their portion. That's right. Isaiah says, I will cause your desert to be like a garden. For there are words from heaven that I have preordained before the foundation of the earth for my people to speak in this season. And if mm-hmm. and, and they would speak these words, it would cause my people to walk out the purposes for which I brought them into the earth and bring great glory to my name. One of the, one of the purposes of walking in the blessing of the Lord is so you can be a blessing. God is the greatest giver. One of the goals I've made many years ago is I didn't want to just wish I could do something. I actually wanted to do it. So I got these giving goals. I got these goals. I haven't done I want to pay somebody's house off. I want to pay a church off. I don't want to wish to do it. No, we wish we could do more. You should stop wishing. That's like saying you wish you would lose weight. (laughs) There's no problem. For I desire the fruit of my people's lives in the earth to bring great glory to my name and cause people to know the God who created heaven and earth and cause people to come to a place of decision in the purposes of God. For yes, even in this time in the earth, of, uh, t- this time in the earth is a time of great decision. My people stand at a crossroads. Will they choose the very best, for me, uh, best that I have for them in this season? or Will they choose to receive just enough? The path that I've called for my people is a path of life they could not have dreamed of, but indeed is a path of walking by faith. To live by faith is the great desire of my people. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, God chronicles this. One of the things he does is he, he, he teaches the people and he, and he does it from two different mountains and they all see because they, they're looking over the land that he promised them. And one of the things he does is he lists the blessings and he lists the cursings because he wanted them to understand what was connected to the covenant. He wanted to make it really clear where life was hidden and he wanted to make it really clear where destruction was hidden. That's why he tells Adam, you're going to die when you sin. Why? Because anything outside the covenant in the kingdom of God is death and destruction. It's not God who curses anyone. The reason he says you're cursed with a curse when you touch God's tithe is because he's, he's saying you're being the source of your own need. And when you're the source of your own need, you're a God unto yourself, and that's a cursed system. God considers that so holy. Years ago, I learned that that he, he, I never say tithe an offering. It's God's tithe and my offering. That stuff belongs to God. He is very adamant. This was one of the first commandments He gives me: You will have no other gods before you. What's He teaching them? He says, If you have any, if you put anything before Me, I can't be the source of everything you have. I just don't see how God could take me. That's your problem. You don't see. Heard that somewhere in the room. Messengers running together in this season is what I desire. I saw a map of the United States and God connecting messengers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, moving together as one in the body of Christ to form one river and one sound. That's the part the Lord highlighted me for this region. One body, one river, one sound. One body, one river, one sound. This is an apostolic center of the purposes of God. This is a place where the region will gather for the purposes of God to be birthed. It's one of many that God wants to establish, but it'll be an international center for the sending of nations. Increase in prosperity will be your portion. You'll need a bigger place at a certain point. You'll have a, a school, a training school. for, for uh, It'll be discipleship. Then it'll be ministers. Then it'll be people in the business. Then it'll be in uh, the arts. The Lord wants you to advance in the arts. There's a renaissance that God wants to give to the arts in the earth, and it must come from the people of God. So with that, you need... A fivefold house. So the Lord brought me to, we're gonna look at a lot of scripture tonight, I think. But if you have your Bibles and you wanna follow along, look at uh, Ephesians 4. Obviously, the Apostle Paul writing. Verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering... Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. Notice he connects unity of spirit and the bond of peace. Notice he doesn't say unity of spirit doesn't mean we all agree with each other on everything. It just means we, we, we love each other and we say, hey, that is your, we're, we're, I'm not talking about this sense of, you know, uh, whatever you think is right. There's certain obviously biblical standards that we hold to, but there also is freedom to disagree on different things. Here's an easy one. President Trump. Some of you get really excited. Others of you start need deliverance after that. But it just <laughs> I think you can love the Lord with all your heart and have disagreements about the man. But the goal is not to make you think like me even though I'm right about it is to, is that we've come together as a body, and regardless of what you think about the the man that's in the Oval Office, we have a greater purpose than what God is doing. So that's the unity of of, uh, the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, Now, I wanna jump over, we will go right back to this in a minute, but Paul emphasizes this also in Romans 12, and you'll see that Paul emphasizes certain apostolic, uh, or uh, he emphasizes certain things in in his epistles that are characteristics of the church several times in his epistles that are clear, this is part of what he wants in the church. Skip over Romans 12 real quick. For I say, through the grace given to me, not to everyone who is among you, Obviously, this is, uh, you see that this is one of Paul's uh, uh, encouragements is always live, live from this posture of humility. Do you know what I've learned that will keep you in a posture of humility is constantly looking at the face of God because you'll realize how big he is and how small you are and how much you're in need of him. Not to think more highly than you ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, as God has dealt to each one a measure of shape. For as we have many members in one body, many members, one body, many members, one body. I'm emphasizing that because you'll see that in the body, there are individuals, but they make up something larger, and there is only one church that God is building, the universal church. There's not a word of faith church. There's not a Pentecostal church. There's not a Methodist church. Now, the other side of this, just because something has a name church in front of it, doesn't mean it's God birthed. You can put whatever you want in front of that sign, but if you are not executing or, or God never called it to start, God only builds what he called to start, not what people got offended to start. We we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. And then he emphasizes. So you see, he emphasizes in Romans. He also emphasizes in Ephesians. So we being many are one body, individual members of one another. So what's he saying? He's saying, your purpose is connected to my purpose. Together, we're supposed to change the world, not alone. Each individual member contributing to the greater whole is what displays God correctly to, to, to the world system. Now tonight, we're gonna uh, hopefully, maybe just talk about two of them, but we'll talk about uh, some of the functions of the fivefold ministry and what that looks like on a practical level, hopefully. But what I want you to understand is that uh, when God brings people into the body, they, he, doesn't, he doesn't supersede purpose over person it's always person over that be a purpose that brings them into their purpose why do i say that because The purpose of leadership and the purpose of five-fold ministry is to release the grace into disciples' life, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, teaching, and you'll see uh, hopefully uh, in the next two nights how those things function. However, the goal, let me put it this way, the goal of a leader is not to reproduce who I am. The goal of the people I disciple is not so they preach and teach like me. It's very important because it's kind of like this, the way the Lord showed me how this functions, is if you come to Canvas Church, you will, you will, and you identify, and you bring yourself into the alignment with what God's doing here, you will have a certain DNA. I have certain characteristics of my grandfather. So people, when I go to Puerto Rico, people, you preach exactly like him, and you, you know, you kind of You even have mannerisms like me so you you that is correct but the goal of God is not for me to be like my grandfather I carry his DNA but I have my own unique persona so personhood always precedes office and purpose That's important because it's very important when we disciple people. It's always a little sometimes, and it's kind of cool, yeah, in a sense, yeah. It's kind of like yeah, you know, because they're connected with this group, so they carry this DNA. But the goal sometimes when you see younger people that come out of those movements, like like certain places, like they're like, oh, they all they all preach like the leader. That's a little weird to me. I think they should carry the DNA of the leader, but I don't think they should try and be the leader. The goal of God is not to have 100 other T.D. Jakes in the world. The goal is for you to receive the grace that that man carries, and it's brilliant, and then add it to your purpose. Your cause. That's really, part of what I, I think is really on God's heart is that when we bring people into a community setting, often we make them like everyone else in the room when there's a reason that their personhood came and yes, we wanna put a DNA in them, yes, we wanna disciple them, but we don't wanna make them exactly like us. That's called religious. You'll notice that it was always Paul, 1 Corinthians one, called to be an apostle. So his personhood came before his office. It was always Nathan the prophet, not the prophet Nathan. So our personhood never precedes our purpose, and it's our purpose that it allows us to express the will of God in the earth uniquely. Let me, let's look at this for a minute here. Ooh, I've got to find this. It's another place here. Ephesians 3, because so this is the goal of God. We're kind of going a little beyond, but then we'll go back here. Ephesians 3 verse 10, to the intent that now that the manifold wisdom of God might be known. Manifold is this picture of beautiful different colors, beautiful different expressions. So he's saying the purpose of the church is to make known the manifold wisdom of God that it be made known, that it be made known by the church to the principalities uh, powers in heavenly places. What's he saying? He said, the the will of God is to express, I'm in Christ, you're in Christ, but you have a different personhood than I am. There's a reason you like certain things. There's a reason you dislike certain things. There's a reason some of you, you love praying outside. There's a reason some of you like painting. There's a reason some of you like worshiping a little more. Some of you like teaching a little more. There's a reason God made you that way, and so the goal is not to deliver you of the things you enjoy. Now, a big foundation to that is this. everything in the kingdom must be lived from the place of surrender because the kingdom of God is not known by the casual seeker. You can only discover purpose except through complete surrender to God. So in that surrender though, God doesn't want to like make you like a religious clone of somebody else. And it's only in that place where we understand each other's unique purpose that we can express the manifold wisdom of God. You're in this room because you can touch people that I cannot touch. You've been placed in a sphere of influence, whether, I don't care if you work at a checkout counter or at a gas station, you're in a sphere of influence and you're gonna connect with people that I can never connect with, but God has put you in their path to express the manifold wisdom of God. So I say that because now we'll talk about how the fivefold functions. Hopefully, because Paul continues. Look, let's go back to Ephesians four. Forgive me. I know uh, we're skipping around a lot, but just emphasizing some different things here. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts, according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So, Christ gives gifts to the church. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. This is Jesus who gave these gifts to men. And now now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's very important. That, that, is, that links that concept that I just talked about. That he says, he's, he's gonna talk about the five full ministers here, and he says, I'm giving you these gifts, and without these gifts, the purpose of these gifts is to fill all things. What's he wanna fill? He wants to fill the earth with the knowledge of God through your life. And he gives these gifts, and he's obviously he's saying, Jesus died when he dies, he goes to the lower parts of the earth. He left captivity to captive. He gets the keys of authority for the earth. Uh, can he has the legal authority to take those keys because he's died and resurrected as a perfect man. No one took Jesus's life from him. So he takes the, he willingly gives up his life. Jesus was the first man since Adam to express God's original intent. And Paul, he sees, he, he's actually, he actually sees, a, he, he's using um, Psalm, let me look at it correctly, I wanna make sure. He's actually seeing Psalm 68, and the picture there is, it, the, the picture is there when a king, he's referring to King David, that when King David would win a battle, he would sit on a mountain, and he would distribute the spoils to men. So say, he's saying, Jesus has gone to death hell and then he resurrected and now he's distributing these gifts unto men. And then Psalm 68 says that he might dwell among them. So he says, I'm giving you these gifts so that I would dwell among you. Part of him dying, going to hell, resurrecting, getting the keys of authority. That's why he can say all authority has been given to me and he, he, part of him doing that, he goes, these are my gifts to men that I might fill all things. Now, go back here, look at, because um, we'll talk here in a minute, but, um, he emphasizes again in Corinthians, of what he's emphasizing in Ephesians 4, but, Look at First Corinthians twelve, where he reemphasizes this. Now you'll notice the themes that the, the themes that the apostle Paul gives to the church. Now you are you are the body of Christ, members individually. That's why he says he he says we have the mind of Christ. He doesn't say you have it individually. He says we have the mind of Christ. And then he says God has appointed these in the church. God has appointed these in the church. Ephesians 4, we'll go back to it in a minute. He says, God has given these gifts to the church. But then he says, God has appointed these in the church. So this is part of the way God wants to build a church. And if these are not functioning or not coming through or a body's not connected or these anointings are not being released, then he's saying, this is not the way God wants to build the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that, miracles then gifts of healing, helps, administration, and variety of tongues. Notice he says he gives these office gifts and, he, and, and then after teachers, he put, and after that, miracles. He says God appoints these, and then he says within these contexts, this is when you'll see the miraculous power flow. And, and then he, he, he comes back to it in Ephesians 4. And the reason I say that is because One of my dialogues with the Lord has been, for many years, is I was touched, I don't know, 19, 20 years ago, in a move of God, and I made a choice, I didn't didn't really know what was happening, but I know whatever this is, I remember at 18, 19 years old, I said, whatever this is, I will choose to live the rest of my life for this, and I will not go back. And then I began asking the Lord, because I saw people who got so mightily touched, and I never wanted to go back. I said, "What?" I began to have this ongoing dialogue with the Lord. Your questions to God are usually invitations to what is part of your destiny. And I've been in this constant dialogue, and one of the things that the Lord identified to me is the the gifts he's given to the church are meant to sustain abiding moves of God. And so without the church being built in the manner that God intended, you cannot sustain the wineskin God wants to build in the church. So these are gifts that God gives the church. Back to Ephesians 4. And he himself, who gave them? Jesus himself. Like, I don't know why people fight the gifts that Jesus gives. (laughs) It's really amazing, you know? Why would you not want a gift that Jesus gives? And he himself gave some apostles. Notice, it's he himself who gave. I believe that as God calls men or women, I believe as God calls them, it's only God who calls. It's very important. You don't want to be something that God didn't call you to be. I don't know why. Like You can get a certificate. They can put oil on you, blow a shofar. If God didn't call you, it means nothing. What qualifies me to stand before here today? God has called me. Man can only confirm what God has already called. And that's an important part of it. But, for all ends tomorrow, I know God called me. I know that I know, just like I know I'm a man, God has called me. But here's what I believe, just like God calls five-fold ministers, he also calls everyone else to different purposes. God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Notice what's the purpose? Purpose is not to make them like him. We'll talk about it more. For the equipping of the saints, for what? For the work of the ministry. That means the saints are called to the work of the ministry. Every believer should know the voice of God, should have a passionate relationship with God. There's, there's a, a, thing that, uh, excuse me, a theme that's jumped out to me in scripture uh, the last year and a half, and is there is no demilitarized zone. Jesus said, no one can have two masters, no one. I, I don't, that's why I don't understand. i like, are, are you a believer? Sort of. It means no <laughs> to me. Yeah. See, we have these Western definitions that are not in the Bible. No one can serve two masters. 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 And then he also says, he will hate the one, despise the other, he will love the one and hate the other. And he says, no one can serve God and money. And he says, take heed how you build." The foolish man built on the sand. And the wise man built on the rock. I find that, those verses beyond fascinating. Because... You can't tell how either man is building until the storm comes. It appears on the outside both are built very well. He says, take heed how you build. And he also, again, he, 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 he gives that different, he, he, he defines it. He doesn't say, well, well you know, this, this guy's like sort of building you know, he sometimes comes to church and sometimes gets it right. Like, it's, it's either you're building wisely or you're building foolishly. And then I just kind of thought to myself, on the foolish man's side, until the storm came, everything appeared to be okay. And maybe he had the, the lingo right. Like, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, you know. I love the Lord with all my heart. Been on mission trips. But on the inside, your inside defines you. I remember years ago, the Lord told me, He said, He goes, you know, you can have lots of money in ministry, your books, everything, and all this stuff, and, 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 and people can know your name, but only you and I will ever know if you're doing what I've asked you to do. So what's on the inside that's defining you? Now, what's on the inside Shows on the outside. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come, what's the purpose? Equipping people for ministry. And then he puts this in here, this is really important. It's important just because there is a segment of the body of Christ that don't believe certain office gifts today, but here's how he qualifies it. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he gives these five-fold gifts to the church, to lead the church, and he, they're called to lead the church, that as the apostle ministers inside of a local body, as the prophet ministers inside of a local body, as a teacher, pastor, as a minister, that Everyone with their own unique personhood and their own unique purpose receives the grace that is upon their life to be everything that God called them to be. They can be mature in the things of God. So without these graces operating in the body of Christ, you will have immature believers who fail to know the knowledge of the Son of God and cannot be equipped for ministry. So let's define the office of an apostle. Now, we know it's God who calls these, but then I will list some different things of uh, characteristics of apostolic grace that should be in the life of every believer. An apostle is one called by heaven who carries governmental kingdom authority to break through and establish the kingdom of God where there is darkness. An apostle carries a new... new, uh, see his teeth... Unique grace upon his or her life that they can break through in areas of the kingdom of God has difficulty breaking through against the forces of darkness. An apostle carries a strong prophetic anointing because he or she must be sensitive to, Holy, to what the Holy Spirit is saying in all situations that they're going to break through in a particular area. They have a prophetic anointing because they can often declare what the Holy Spirit is saying and they're giving gr- the grace and revelation from heaven to fulfill that which the Holy Spirit is saying. An apostle carries the heart of a father, knowing that his success is predicated on the ability to release and increase the kingdom of God through others, and that the Holy, the Holy Spirit is put around him or her. An apostle with a, a proper perspective if, is one that longs to see those around him stand upon his shoulders and go further than he or she has ever gone. An apostle thinks according to the kingdom mindset of multi-generational. Often apostles see and think of structure what the Holy Spirit desires for coming generations. They release often much building for the kingdom of God, and only will carry and only will see the greatest fruit in the latter half of their life or even after they've gone to heaven. Apostles carry a strong anointing for signs and wonders to establish the kingdom of God and declare the preeminence of the kingdom domain everywhere they minister. Some apostles are given territorial authority. Others are given authority to govern nations. It's not a matter of one apostle being more anointed or gifted than the other, but rather of a calling by God Himself. If the office of the apostles is functioning properly, then others who connect with that anointing are, are increased in the anointing and grace. An apostle has gone through a great time of testing and purging to stand in the office. All true apostles will display humility and preference to others. A true apostle will never use his calling or office to manipulate or control or hinder the destiny of those around them. Yeah. Apostles' highest delight in seeing the kingdom of God flourish in the name of Jesus, known in nations. Apostles are given authority to govern and take nations. It's crucial to the gifted apostle to be cultivated. Because apostles are the foundation of the church. Notice he said, first, apostles. Apostles carry a unique understanding of God's kingdom perspective as they walk in an office where one must be completely submitted to God's agendas. I'm reminded tonight, and I've rarely said this publicly, but I felt like the Lord asked me to just a moment ago. I think it was, I don't have it written down here, but I think it was eight or nine years ago, I had a very interesting experience. And in this experience, I was in the Spirit, and I had been asking the Lord, I think for the months leading up, I, Lord, give me understanding of what an apostle is, and this and that. And I went in the Spirit, and uh, I didn't ask for this, uh, but I do think that As part of our experience on earth, if God initiates, these things can happen. That's why there's a great cloud of witnesses, and that's why the great cloud of witnesses is not dead. If you're in Christ, you're not dead. I call it transitioning. If you're in Christ, you're never going to die. Now keep also in this mind, this is the shortest part of your existence. But... I went into this encounter, and this might stretch some of you, but whatever. Um, In this encounter, I'm in this hallway and I know it's the Apostle Paul. And Paul looks at me and, and says to me, he says, apostles are not like what you see today, but I'm going to release apostles in the earth like the world has never seen. He also prayed for me, which is pretty cool. I'm saying we don't see him now, but I'm saying there's coming a company of apostles in the earth the world has never seen. Called by God. Governmental ability to break through. Governmental ability to pioneer. Governmental ability to lay hands on the saints and release them into power ministries. One person that I would say that that I know is a true apostle of the Lord in the earth today and I think there are several men. I'll just mention him. But just because of the grace he carries on in the life, I know it's Randy Clark is one of those men. I've, I probably have never read about, I'm not an expert in church history, a man who has laid hands on so many leaders. And, and from that moment after Randy prayed for them, their ministry of signs and wonders exploded, including my own life as never before. It's apostolic anointing. So, what, what's one of the characteristics of apostles? So, we, we see what the function of the apostle is. Now, we want to look at how this looks like in the life of a disciple. Because disciples are supposed to receive from apostolic grace and have that grace applied to their life as disciples. And we said, we began first by saying, we're first disciples before we are anything else disciples and sons of God. So we know apostles, we'll just define it, is an official represent, rep- representative, charged, sent one. One of the first characteristics of an apostle is this, a profound sense of calling and purpose. The beautiful thing is the wor- before the world began, God knew you and he chose you for something. And he knew what he signed up for when he got you. That's what, one of the beauties about faith is he says he's the author and the finisher of your faith. And then Jesus teaches us to have the God kind of faith. So One of the reasons faith is so important is you're actually leaning into the power of God himself when you trust God and you're pulling on all those resources he already had before you for the foundation of the earth and you're pulling them in the earth into every area of life that you'll need them from. That's why, that's why the enemy tries to get people not to trust now interchangeable with faith i don't know why i'm saying this but interchangeable with the word faith in scriptures the word belief and jesus focused a lot on belief john 11 if you believe well what's the first thing he preaches repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand change your mind Change your thinking. Because if you don't, the kingdom of heaven is right here, as we say in the south. Grew up in New, New Jersey, now I live in the south. Right here, right now. But if you don't change your thinking, you won't apprehend it. Yeah. And part of how he taught the change your thinking was, he taught, he demonstrated, and the things they saw was to cause them to think differently then he said to the woman, did I not say to you, if you would believe, if you believe, important as we enter into a new season, because you don't get a new you unless you think differently. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Then he continued it. John 14. If you believe you'll do the works that I'm doing. Not only will you do the works I'm doing, you'll gr- do greater works. Notice he doesn't, he's not focusing on, 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 on what it looks like practically. He's focusing on your heart. He says, if I get your heart right, I'll get your, your behavior right. Mark 16. These signs will follow them that were in the prayer line. Them that belief in my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. One of the most important beliefs is believing what God says about you. As I, one, of the most, one of the thousand most brilliant statements that Jesus said. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It wasn't just talking about apostles. What's apostle? Sent one. You're sent one, and he also says, "The access I had to the Father's resources, they're yours too." So one of the things I do, almost every morning, I have taken some of the prophecies over my life, and I just I've made them into declarations because you can have what you say. Lord, thank you. You're opening a door that no man can shut for nations, for leaders. Thank you because you've made me a brilliant author and a teacher in the body of Christ. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, no issues. Because often that's what the word it does, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Often when God speaks, it identifies how, you, how dysfunctional you're thinking, and that's something you really need to keep, keep in mind. Before you came into the kingdom of God, you were completely dysfunctional, and let me just be straightforward with you, myself included, you were stupid. And he wants to deliver you of all stupidity. Hallelujah. He wants to deliver you, of even like, you could have grown up in the greatest family ever, but they still could have taught you stupid things about God. So it's sharper than 2 he, so it cuts both ways. So often, I've, I've been there, I remember years ago, great prophet of the Lord, he's, he's probably in the great, cl- he's transitioned, but I remember, I heard awesome things about him and, you know, in a meeting on the Sunday morning. I met him before the meeting and first thing he does when he stands up, "I have a prophetic word for and He was a very unique prophet. He had toys and stuff. He did literally had toys. God bless that man. He had this big trumpet that night. And um, he's on it's like a stage like this, actually. He's on one end, I'm on the other and he blows it. And I go flying down. It's the Holy Spirit's gentleman, right? And We lie to people. They're getting what they believe though. So and he starts giving this word and I remember, wow, that's a good word. And I thought he admitted I I really thought he was done because he's kept going. And I realize he's still prophesying over me. But I couldn't identify with that word because it was just so far from where I was living. So it's like, it's like Moses, right? God comes to Moses. He goes, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes, I've, I've heard the cries of my people. And I've, I've noticed this with God. Sometimes how he, the, the characteristic that he introduces himself to, he wants you to be that characteristic to the world. He said, I'm the God who hears, and I'm the God who delivers. And by the way, you're my spokesperson for deliverance. And he goes, Who am I? What happened? All his negativity came to the surface. All the, all the root issues of insecurity, they all come to the surface. When you get words like that, when, we, when you judge them as true words, you know, not everything's from the Lord, you know. If you've never thought about painting, you're 42 years old. Really want to weigh that one out, but not saying it's not from the Lord, but just weigh it out, you know. Or you're 62, you know, you're like you're gonna have three children. (laughs) Better know that's from the Lord, you know. Just saying, not saying it couldn't happen. You just better know it's from the Lord. So when you judge it's from the Lord, and you're oh, I just have trouble, Something, something makes me uncomfortable, you know. It's because He wants to deliver you of the areas in your heart that can, the inability to receive what God's called you to be. is one of the biggest sins in the body of Christ. The Lord told me several years ago, he said, most people can't receive the amount of money I really wanna give them. I told him, make me a candidate. You can Trust me with money, I'm your boy. So prophecies, or the things that God has called you to, that you know that you know that he's called you to, become dialogues to deal with deep character flaws and get delivered of trauma and different things. It's a big one. You can get the greatest prophecies in life, but you don't deal with the root foundational stuff in your life. You can start walking in them, but it could be really dangerous to people around you. you. And you can have miracles, you can have great prophetic insight, great teacher. But if you the goal is to be like him, not to have a ministry. Yes. Yes. So you're sent one. You're sent one. You're sent by God to dream in the earth. This is for some of you tonight. Your dream has not expired. But what I've learned walking with the Lord about the call. Is, and I'm very type A. I'm like, you know, I don't deal very well with indecisive people. I'm just not sure. Okay, moving on. You know. <laughs> he, God wants to bring us on this eternal journey. Yes, there's brilliant stuff. God, I mean, as much, think of the biggest thing you think of a, what a blessed life looks like. God wants way more than you. Like, God, like, he's giving you a mansion. You don't care if you have a mansion down here. Like, this stuff is not, it's not a big deal to God. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. That's usually the people I know that are blessed. They're not focused on stuff. But think about the biggest thing in your heart, and it's way beyond that but he's on this journey to just adjust. Oh, you know, I remember years ago where I thought I was special because he called me. And you don't realize how dysfunctional you are. So you're on this journey to get delivered from all dysfunction. And if you're having trouble along the journey, find someone safe you can come to. And if you don't have friends, it might be your problem. I'm not saying for sure it is, but it might be something where you had a friend who wanted to help, they saw some things and you reject, so they're just not going to bring it up anymore. And you push everyone away who's just trying to help. One of the things I noticed too is this, keep this value in mind, when you stand before him, you can never say you didn't tell me. That one's not going to work. Jesus, we're all going to stand before Him, and we don't—you—you—you you, you do not get judged for what the good things people think you did. You could have been a tither, you know, help with the missions team, elder. So, so most of that stuff does not register in heaven. I'm telling you, God is not like the Trinity is not interested in that stuff. I, I'm convinced of that. When you, when you stand before him, you get judged not for what you did, but for what he called you to do. And the beautiful thing is, the father, the son, they're 100% committed to the purposes of God being established in your life. You're like, well, I just, you know, I've been through a rough season. I'm here to help. You're like, I married that dodo. I know I shouldn't have. The pastor told me to. God can help you. Because when you're in the kingdom, he takes 100% responsibility for you. You have to be willing to want his help. You have to be willing to adjust certain things. They're here to help. You're like, I've been depressed for like eight years. I'm here to help. I'm broke. Keep getting kicked out of the place I live. I'm here to help. Man, I just have this issue in my body. I'm here to help. But she you realize he wants to help you with everything, man, my kids, they just—they just not serving the Lord. And you know what I notice in a lot of the issues or external things that deal with other people and our relationship with other people, the first thing he'll work on is you. Do you know one of the number one things? In, um, I, I've seen it in my own family. I can't say too much. But... Often when kids are away from the Lord, one of the first insights I get is it's because the mom and dad are not in agreement, and it's allowing a door of witchcraft to come into their kid's life. Now, that kid still has a responsibility of whether he's going to serve the Lord, but that open door of chaos in that home is allowing a demonic influence to touch that child. And the mom's going, we should do this. And the husband's like, nah, I ain't doing that. And it's chaos. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So you don't get judged for what you think you're doing is right. How do you find out, God's really simple. Submit to God, submit to a body, love God with all your heart. I've never met anyone who does those things seeking a powerful life, who's wondering what to do with their life. You, don't, you might not have it all figured out, but you, you'll have some insight. Like, I hate my job. Well, he's working on that too. He has you there because you prayed that prayer three weeks ago at the altar that said you wanted to love everyone like him. And you thought it meant going to Africa full time, and he's trying to help you right there. And for some, part of the discipleship process might be actually just as simple as waking up before 8 a.m., it's incredibly practical. He's like, you have no self-discipline. I need to help you. Yeah. And this is a big one working with people that I always hear. This is just the way I am. Change. Please change. Yeah. Not in your own strength, but, well, you know, it's always grew up this way. It's all the time. Why are you always late? Well, you know, that's the way we are in our family. I don't know why I said that, but... characteristic I thought I was going to get through more of it these moments here second characteristic of apostolic grace is wisdom to operate in the timing and the seasons of God So one of the things apostles and we might look at it more tomorrow night apostles have the ability prophets here and then apostles are often able to put into alignment what God is saying in the right season one of my, my lead intercessors is extremely prophetic. Like, and she's seen like eight years down the line, and I'm dealing with stuff in today. And she's gone, oh, this, this, this. this. I go, I receive that. I think that's from the Lord, but it has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. So let's write this one down. <laughs> I don't ever dismiss the word of the Lord when I know it's hers. I trust her. Trust she hears from the Lord. But she's... The things, some of the things, beautiful things, some of the things we're walking in now, she saw eight years ago in intercession, 10 years ago. But part of the ability to be a disciple is to discern timing and seasons. But here's a good one. We were just talking about it. It's very practical. Holy Spirit is incredibly practical. James 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, how many need some wisdom? One of the things I'm going to, I've, the Lord's so mad I didn't share it tonight. This is a season of divine strategies. No one has to live ignorantly. Amen. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. What did Jesus teach? Ask and keep on asking. Third one apostolic grace is not passive, but aggressive, assertive. Apostolic grace has a certain worldview which demands the will of God to be established. There should be something on the inside of you that goes, no. My kids are not going to serve the devil. I don't care how many mistakes I made. There should be something that says, I'm going to be blessed. I don't care if my whole family has been poor. I know what the scripture says. I'm in covenant with God and the blessing of the Lord. I don't care. I know, even though I've never seen it, I'm supposed to be someone who lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'm supposed to hear the voice of God. I'm supposed to do these things. It's part of what the apostolic does. I love working with apostles. Because they don't, like, I love, I've been in a room, and we'll go, this is what the Lord says. And apostles are like, let's go do it. And the pastors are like, well, we don't know how the people are going to take it. No, what is the Lord saying? You know. (laughs) (laughs) But there should be an assertive, pushing power among the people of God. Aggressive. Often I can tell if a church of apostolic grace, because just how the people worship. You know, it's... No, it's true. And there's moments where you do rest, but there's this assertive, we, will, we are here to do the will of the Lord. We haven't seen it, but this is what God has said. It's part of the apostolic grace from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffer violent and the violent take it by force. We'll do one more tonight. Have you got something tonight? He himself gave some apostles and then prophets, I think we'll do one more. Prophets are called by birth like Jeremiah and they have a special place in the heart of God because they hear, see, and communicate the father's intentions to an entire generation. Prophets have been called by the Holy Spirit to make intimacy with the Holy Spirit their highest obsession of their lives. This results in unusual experience and encounters with the Holy Spirit on a routine basis. Prophets are usually mocked and often rejected because they communicate heaven's truth to people who are often enslaved to the kingdom of this world. A religious spirit will often try and castrate a prophet because it hates the heart and the mind of the Lord being communicated to God's people. Prophets open doors for the people of God to see from heaven's perspective and for people to have their own unique encounters with the Holy Spirit. Prophets should spend many hours devouring scripture. This is a big deal right here because it's the foundation for the communication they release to the body of Christ and the experiences they had. All hell will often come against those who function the prophetic office because of the foundational authority given to them. Prophets are also called to have foundational government authority to break through and establish the kingdom of God. What does he teach us, though, in John 16? And the Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. He doesn't say the prophet, though. He says all people. Then he tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, without prophetic vision, which also goes without prophetic revelation, without revelation, the people of God perish. Prophets, I've learned, men and women, come in all different ways graces, dimensions. I know people who, they are strong in giving personal words. Boom, 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 boom. They line them up, and boom. And other prophets I know, they don't give any personal words. They just they give a lot of corporate words. And others give national words, they give regional words. They come in just all different ways. Just appreciate what the person does. Uh, that is just, I believe, though, just one small part of the prophetic ministry. Prophets' main job, in my opinion, is not to prophesy. Prophecy, yes, to release a prophetic spirit, but uh, prophets, are, are one of the graces that they carry is they open doors for people, for, for people to see and hear themselves. If you receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, you what? You receive the prophet's reward. What's the prophet's reward? Prophets hear and see what others do not. So it opens doors. My personal goal as a leader has never been, been, uh, uh, quite honestly, to be, I want to communicate well, but I'm not up there like hoping people like, I want to be known as a great preacher. I want people when they, for two things, when they listen to what I say is, I want to get closer to God and I can do something with my life. God has a purpose for my life that I want to do fruit of my ministry I pray every day is not. That's a good preacher. God, I want to know. God, I want to know. I don't claim to be an, a smart man. I claim to be a man who knows God. Yeah. That's one of the characteristics of prophets, I believe. You leave, I leave around some guys like, I don't know exactly everything he just said. Some of it was way over my head, but I want to know God like he knows God. Yeah. I remember years ago listening to this guy teach, I was teaching, I was listening to this course, I was taking this course on deliverance And I go, I don't know half of what he just said, but I need to find out some stuff. So what does a prophetic look like? Number one, they make a quality decision to be a friend of God. All disciples should be friends of God. People are like, I want to know the voice of God. Talk to God. Talk to the God who wrote the book. I believe in meditating and devouring scripture, but I want to know more than that the God who wrote the scripture. second thing is hear's, knows, obeys and honors the voice of God hear's knows honors and obeys the voice of God. do you know one of the it 's very easy not, not excuse me not so i don 't want to maybe phrase it that way, but You can hear the voice of God if you'll honor his voice. Part of the kingdom of God functions on the holiness of God. What's the holiness of God? It means, it simply means that holiness is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Like We've gotten this thing like, you're not going to have any fun if you're holy. No, the greatest fun I've ever had is the holier I get. (laughs) Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I never understand these people in the kingdom. Like, can I do that and still be born again? How much in love with him are you? Right. Can I still do that and God still like me? You know, in my personal relationships with certain people, I don't do certain things that I know it, it would irritate them. It's not even sinful, but I just don't do it because they might not like it. God, like you're asking the wrong question. Honor the voice of God. Not just, two in your time of fellowship with God. Obviously, take intentional time. God, one of the things I always say is, God, speak for your servant hears and is listening. And this is, this is a fun one. But I, I started many years ago. Is there something I'm doing that, that you would like me to do right now that I'm not doing? Oh, Lord Jesus, he's... <laughs> Used to not like it. Now it's great. Because he'll tell you. Oh, he'll tell you, if you want to hear it. Very practical things, too. Remember I asked the Lord one time that day, uh, one day, and he said, yeah, remember this guy you used to live with in graduate school? I want you to call him, because you weren't a very good representation of me to him, and apologize. No, I was a good roommate. And being the obedient servant of the Lord, I waited a week, you know, though, when, I don't know if you're like me, when you walk, when you, know, when you know, you know, you don't need eight confirmations after a while, you know. I call him up, call him at his work. I didn't, know, I knew where he worked. I didn't know, I hadn't talked to him in years. I said, hey, this is so-and-so. and Oh, I'm so glad you called, you know. Hey, I just want to apologize to you because I'm a believer, you know, that love the Lord with all my heart. And there were just times that I wasn't a good representation of, oh no, you were a great roommate. I agree with you. I thought I was. <laughs> God did not agree with us at all. <laughs> He's the only one that matters. Yeah. But when I hung up the phone, something shifted in my relationships. Because yeah. whatever legal foothold the enemy had in that area, so why he'll guide you yes. into all truth he severs you from those agreements you've opened up. Back to the integrity of God. God, because he's, what's his holy? Holy means he's integrous and he's just. That means he doesn't give things to people they will either misuse or are not interested in. Give this an example. Pastor Rich, Pastor Rich goes, I hate, blue socks. Apparently, he doesn't wear socks very often, but that's a different story that we're working on him for. But (laughs) if he makes it well known that he hates blue socks, I hate blue socks. Or what I hear a lot, you know, I just don't go on mission trips. I don't travel well. Okay. That's in the Bible. You have to get your language right with scripture my sheep hear my voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just I don't have a passport. I send people. That's in scripture too. All That stuff doesn't register in heaven. And you say it long enough, you're going to have what you say. And he goes, well, I wanted you to go to Brazil for a week to have your life changed. But you're going to miss that part of the journey I had for you on the earth. He keeps saying he doesn't want Blue socks, or doesn't like blue socks, and on his birthday, I give him blue socks. That wouldn't be right. So, part of how, because he taught us, what did he teach us? The kingdom of heaven is like a man found a merchant or a pearl and sold all that he had. And some people get mad if God asks them to give $500. That's what he said the kingdom of heaven is like. He found the precious jewel and sold all that he had to get that jewel. He said that's what the kingdom's like. Those who receive the kingdom give all that they have. And then the voice of God, it's really not that difficult. Jesus taught us in John the 7th chapter, Those who seek to do my will will know that my doctrine is from God. What's he saying? He said, if you're willing to hear, or if you have a sincere heart to hear what I have to say, you'll know what I'm saying is from heaven. It's a positioning of the heart. Scott, God, I want to know what you have to say. And You know how he starts, and it's no big deal with this one if you're here. We're at all different places. Just get on this journey. This is how it starts, Abner! Seriously. It's that loud when you, when you position yourself that way. Because you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, that's what I say. He'll let you know, Abner! I remember the first time he really started speaking to me about certain things. I want you to do this. I said, you want me to do what? And this is what I did. This is why it's good to be in a community. There's nothing wrong with this. You ever hear this one? I need confirmation. I'm going to get confirmation, Lord. And he's okay with that. Because you're seeking to know what he's saying. And you can't walk with God without corresponding steps of obedience. You shall know what you'll have an experience with truth, and the truth will set you free. Action is a necessary part of discipleship. Can't walk it out unless you do stuff. Now, when he talks to me, please do this for me. I'd like you to do this for me. Please do this. Why? Because I know he's holding me responsible for what I've come to know. Yeah. It's like you know, learning the voice of God is like this. The Lord showed me this, and I'll, I'll land here in a minute. Um, I've learned hearing the voice of God is really simple. He showed me this little boy, I was in Switzerland in March, I was teaching at a school, I think it was March. And the year before I had been there, I did a conference, time was a school, and he was an infant, and now he's just about one year old. His name was Jason. And he was, his parents were in the school and they'd go, look, Abner, Jason's getting ready to walk. So I'd watch him between breaks. He wasn't quite walking on his own, but he was, and they were holding him. Amazing, Jason's walking. They didn't slap him because he wasn't running 10 feet. Or you missed it. They were just happy he was on that journey to starting to walk. The voice of God. Man shall not live by bread. Jesus likens the voice of God to eating food on the earth. He said, just like you need food, you need the voice of God. That's why the enemy fights it so much. That's why he creates religious devils. You've got to be really careful with those people who say they hear the voice of God. I'm really careful on people who say they don't hear the voice of God. I know it's been misabused, but that's how we know how powerful it can be for us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word, every word, every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Words. They'll create your world. They'll give you something to lean into. Here's a final one. Understands, this part of being a prophetic people, that we are a royal priesthood. Why do I say that? In the story of Joseph, I love this part. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, this is Genesis 41, I have had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it. The world is mad without God. But I have heard it said of you, you can understand it and interpret it. I love this. Then Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not me but God will give you an answer of peace. Love that. Other translations go, only God interprets dreams. Then he interprets his dream. He goes, only God interprets dreams, but then he interprets his dream. What is he? He's the voice of God to a heathen man. It's a picture of the royal priesthood. We stand between God and an ungodly world To be the voice of God. That's why the enemy fights it so much. That's why he wants believers to live out of intellect. If he can't stop you from getting saved, he'll create stupid doctrines to keep you stupid. That's why he fights the recognition of even the five-fold ministry, to keep people ignorant, to keep them immature. Lowering the standard where, you know, people can't handle more than 20 minutes anymore, you know very difficult on them, because the night before, they went to a three-hour movie and a four-hour football game, but, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not one who believes you should have people in church every day, or you should, or or it has to be long to be God, that's even weirder, you know, I've been in those, that'll wear you out, Lord, Jesus, I remember leaving a meeting, go, I've been in some long meetings, he goes, religion will wear you out. But if God is doing something, he can, like, people, like, I've been in meeting. I remember being in, literally, I'm not even exaggerating, 11 hour meeting in Mexico City and it just felt like minutes because there was such a glory in there. Pray for people, I think, for five hours, bodies flying everywhere, you know, you just walk to a certain section, they like, oh, go, boom, they're all, and nobody's looking at the clock. Man shall not live by bread alone you receive this word tonight